she's 75, um, I believe at the time. Um, so she squatted 154, 154 pounds. Really? Um, really. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Watchdog Strength Podcast. I am your host, Sal. I am the owner and head coach of Watchdog Strength. Joining me today is Hendrik Reinold. Hendrik is a friend of mine through Instagram, and he actually has a lot of experience in something that I'm very interested in, and that's training older people. And what do we mean by older? Well, I think Hendrik's going to go into that and maybe give us a definition to work with. Uh, but to get into it, Hendrik, can you do me a favor and introduce yourself for everybody? Sure. Um, I'm Hendrik Reinold. Um, Originally, I was born in Germany, um, and when I was six, uh, my family moved to the States, uh, originally the Phoenix. Uh, I went to high school in Chicago, um, in the northwest suburbs of Palatine. Um, I did my uh, bachelor's at Southern Illinois um, in Edwardsville, um, where I did a bachelor's in exercise and wellness. Um, I played soccer all through high school, which is kind of like how I, you know, when I decided to go to college, I was like, well, I don't really know what I want to do, but I know I don't. I sit in a cubicle, so it was kind of profit elimination. Um, and I never really, I never did the gym. Like I never went and strength trained um, as a soccer player. They never really like pushed us to do that. I had no idea what I was doing on my own. Um, so all through like four years of high school, I was probably in the gym. I don't know five times maybe, and it was probably all like press, you know, because that's kind of the only thing that I knew. Like I could operate this without yeah. uh, without looking too stupid. So um, when I then went to college uh, to do my um, my bachelor's in exercise and wellness, like I said, um, it was kind of more of the same. So like I, in terms of like the, in terms of strength and conditioning, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I no longer had soccer uh, as a thing to just fall back on all the time. So I started running. Uh, so I got pretty into running. Uh, and then any strength and conditioning I did was just to support running. And so it wasn't a ton. Um, and uh, a roommate of mine was like, oh, we should go to the gym, you know, here and there. Like he was a football player in high school. So he knew a little bit more of what he was doing. And uh, we would go in and I would just do what he was doing and was completely intimidated. He's like, oh, we should bench press. Like, what do you bench press? I was like, I don't know. I've never done that before. Um, so it was it was not a great experience for me at the time because I was just completely intimidated, which I think is what ended up sort of helping me, um, you know, like onboard other people who don't really feel super comfortable. Um, we then, I, uh, Southern Illinois and Edwardsville is about half an hour from St. Louis where I then started working um, at a couple of various gyms, which is where I met my wife. Uh, we moved back to Vermont where she's from and I started working at the rehab gym here, which was about a, a mile from my house. So it was a really good situation. Um, and that's where I then really started to get into barbell stuff. And it was nice. I had a home gym. I could kind of feel out what I was comfortable with. Um, I found the barbell medicine folks. Um, I'd actually in St. Louis worked for a company that uh, Dr. Feigenbaum was doing consulting for. Um, and then years later, somebody was like, oh, have you heard of this barbell medicine thing? Like, like doctors Baraki and Feigenbaum was like, hey, I know that guy a little bit. Uh, or I know of him at least. So, um, and then that was really my, my onboarding into um, my own personal strength and conditioning. Um, and then I have like the weakest brag of all time, which is then I uh, ended up doing <laughs> powerlifting uh, meets at the USBA finally came to Vermont for the first time ever. So I set four um, USBA uh, state records uh, because I outperformed like two guys. So, <laughs> so I can proudly say that I'm a USBA state record holder. Um, hey dude, a win is a win. <laughs> I would take it. Um, yeah. And so then at the, uh, at the rehab gym, um, it sort of like, as I then started to get more comfortable with like serious strength and conditioning, um, that grew into, you know, into what we were doing there. So at the rehab gym, we have uh, physical therapy, um, and we are also a, a fully operational gym, um, as well as a couple of other, uh, services that we provide. And we train a little bit of everybody, but Vermont is, I think, the third oldest state um, by like median age. And so, like the average person that walks in is just the chances that they're a little bit older are a lot higher than pretty much anywhere else in the United States. And so, it was just sort of by by default that I started to get pretty comfortable um, onboarding older adults into what then I saw the benefits of, which was um, you know, serious strength and conditioning, like not underdosing, uh, 
you know, and, and like I said, my own personal experiences of having been pretty intimidated by that, I think really helped me with, uh, with other people. So you, you started working for the rehab gym and that's actually when you began your journey of becoming comfortable with using barbells and squatting and powerlifting, et cetera. What was it? What was the thing that triggered that? You know, cause you could easily have been the kettlebell guy or the dumbbell guy or the BOSU ball guy. Like what was it that led you to the barbell? Um, so I was all of those things, you know, and that was like, I was like the personal trainer guy before, you know? So it was like, yeah, it was like a little bit of everything. It was just like a hodgepodge of like, let's do this. And like, you know, that little spastic, like, you know, let's do a little bit of everything. Right. Um, and I think probably the main thing, uh, like I said, it was just sort of happenstance. Uh, I, I joined a men's league when I got to Vermont and in my second year I tore my ACL because I stepped in a wet hole. And uh, so I personally had to go through um, uh, some physical therapy. And uh, like I said, I, I had done all the lifts, uh, just not, I hadn't trained them super seriously. And so I hadn't made a ton of progress. Um, and after my ACL, I was a little bit more, um, I was forced to focus a little bit more, you know, on like, let's get this thing strong again. And like having to try to figure out, well, how do I do that? You know, cause I've got all these different tools, but I've never really been strong. Um, and so I, um, you know, my, my initial like forte into it was starting strength. Um, and through that, then like I said, I was sort of reminded of like, Hey, like, you know, this, uh, this fighting bomb guy, like he's got his own company. And so kind of through the, through the starting strength and barbell medicine, um, uh, tracks, I kind of was then able to, to focus more on the powerlifting aspect of it and get, um, a lot better at it than before when I was just a little bit of everything. So you came in with a strong sense of self-efficacy, like somewhere inside you knew that you could, you could get back to where you wanted to be or better. It was never a, what was me kind of situation. Oh no. Yeah, no, it was never like, uh, to be honest, my wife was like, I'd really appreciate it if you don't go back to playing men's league soccer because I don't really want to have to take care of you through another surgery and like the rehab process. Uh, but it was definitely never like, well, that's it. I guess I'm just going to do nothing. And I, I always knew I was going to get back to something. Um, but I think to appease my wife, it was like, all right, I, maybe I won't make a strong push to get back on the field and maybe I'll pivot to something more uh, uh, non-contact, <laughs> which maybe I can last a little bit longer. In. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. So the um the aspects of your kind of journey is is one coming back from what sounds to be kind of a, a serious injury but having that motivation to get stronger and work through it but secondly you know yeah that that feeling of being intimidated by the gym being intimidated by the weights you see all these monsters walking around you don't know what you're doing and so it sounds like do you use those aspects in your coaching and in your approach you mentioned it that it helps you with your onboarding can you go mm -hmm. a little bit more into that? Yeah. So like I said, it, it kind of happened organically over the course of like four or five years where we sort of built this culture at the rehab gym um, where I think people can really walk in and be comfortable. So there's like, there's, there's a couple of different ways that people come to us. Um, one is um, through the physical therapy side. So they have no idea we even exist. They're referred um, and they see one of our physical therapists. Um, but we're not, necessarily siloed where the physical therapy people are on one side of the building and the gyms on the other side. Like it's, it's all one thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's thing one is like, they're already exposed to seeing some of that stuff as, as they're going through physical therapy, which is a very like non-threatening way to, to kind of get started for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and then thing two is that all of our physical therapists um, care a great deal about the strength and conditioning side of it as well. Um, so they are mainly, uh, you know, doing like the, the, the therax, the therapeutic exercise portion of it. So the patients are deadlifting, squatting, you know, you know, overhead pressing, like all of those things in physical therapy, um, potentially starting with, you know, some pretty light weights. Um, and then when they are discharged from therapy and we offer them like, oh, do you want to stick around and be a gym member? They've already experienced that. Um, and so that's, that's one very, um, uh, smooth way to get somebody to just be comfortable in the, in the gym, in our gym in particular. Um, and then the other side is, like I said, anybody can just walk in off the street and, uh, and say, I want to be a member. And then that takes a little bit more, um, 
time to sit down with them and see what their goals are. Um, and then, you know, doing a little bit of like that sort of motivational interviewing um, and helping them realize that um, what maybe they have seen as like what they think is required to meet their own goals, that maybe we need to go a little bit beyond that. You know, um, most people when they come in, uh, most older people, I should say, when they come in, have some kind of uh, strength or like function goal, you know, almost every single time. I'd say like 98% of the time when I talk to somebody, it's like, okay, well, like, why are you here? What do you want to do? And they're like, I need to get stronger. Um, or like I said, some kind of function thing. It's like, I, you know, I, I really need to be able to get on the floor of my grandkids or my kids or whatever it is. Um, and, and it's then taking them from that, like, that's, that's awesome. We can do that. Um, and then sort of like, what do you think that requires? You know, and a lot of times it's like, well, I've, you know, I, you know, I've, I've, I think walking is good. You know, like I've got, I've got some pink dumbbells, like some threes and fours at home. And it's like, yeah, those are awesome places to start. Um, and then very, very slowly uh, introducing them to new things. Um, and, and we could definitely get into, into some specifics on that. Um, but I think it's really just making them comfortable right off the bat and then not overflowing or not overloading them with uh, tons and tons of stuff right off the bat or like, uh, we're going to do this thing called a deadlift. It's going to be crazy. You know, it's going to be so heavy. You're going to get so jacked. Like, um, I definitely think that they would, uh, well, some people that, that might work for someone. Yeah. That might get some buy-in from some guys. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, so it sounds like, and this is a common thread I see with a lot of people is, is a big portion of it is finding that entry point. And so your onboarding process, you sit down and you talk with someone, what do you want to do? Where are you at now? And like you said, you ease them into it. Um, this leads me to my next question. Uh, you typically work with an older population. And that's mm -hmm. one of the big reasons I want to speak with you is because I'm very interested in the idea of working with an older client or older population. Um, but the one thing I want to explore is how do you define that? You know, if, if I'm, if I'm in my head, I, I have this definition of an older person, but that may not necessarily be it. So when you're see, speaking with a client, how would you define someone as older if you even use that term? Yeah, I, I really don't um, in, in the way that I think of it. Um, so like to me, it's just another person walking in the gym and we sort of have to figure out what their starting point is. Um, so if, you know, I've met lots of 20 year olds who are completely undertrained, uh, and we're going to have to start with some, with some pretty basic regressions to get them up to speed. Um, and a lot of older people are at that point as well. Um, but just because somebody walks in and they do the intake form and they write 60 or 70 or 80 or whatever it is on the piece of paper, um, as much as I can, I don't let that influence like, okay, well now I know, well, we're definitely not squatting or we're definitely not deadlifting or we're definitely not doing, um, you know, like TRX rows or whatever it is. Like there's nothing in my head that just because of the age of that person that I'm eliminating, um, until we start to go into the, into the process of actually evaluating the person and seeing, well, what can you do? Um, because I think most people are going to be surprised. Like you're, I think a lot of people do operate in that way where they're like, um, you know, all right, like the, you know, the administrative staff says like, you've got a, you've got a, an appointment coming in later. They're 70. It's like, okay, well, I, I definitely know that we're not squatting. We're going to get the dumbbells out. You know, um, I think a lot of people approach it sort of backwards. Um, and so I'm just going to treat them exactly like every single other person, um, from the exercise, from the, from the movements. Um, and we're going to start low and we're going to go as far with it as we can in that session to see what are you comfortable with? What are you capable of? And then we're going to progress them from there. Um, I think more of what uh, becomes a barrier is exactly what happened to me is just like, you know, if, if somebody's 60 or 70 or 80 and has never stepped foot in a gym before, like that can be extremely intimidating um, and, and easing them in, into it that way. Um, and, uh, and then their own like narratives or heuristics, like in their head, what they expect of themselves. Um, and that can also be like something that's a little bit tougher to overcome, um, where if they've heard from friends, peers, the media, whatever it is, like, um, well, you're older, you shouldn't be doing this, you know, like you shouldn't be deadlifting, you shouldn't be squatting, you should you know, be really careful of your knees or, you know, all of those like uh, narratives that aren't particularly helpful and aren't rooted in 
you know, like scientific fact anyway. So um, when somebody comes in who's a little bit on the older side, like sometimes it takes more time to just root those things out. Um, and, you know, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that I have any sort of like definition of like what's an older person. Um, I think just like with everybody else, it's going to be, are you undertrained? Like, let's find your entry point into strength and conditioning. Like, what can you do? And, um, and let's go from there. I think that's a really good bias to have an approach for it. Uh, it's typically at this point, the way I look at every lifter that walks in the door is, yeah, how trained are you <laughs> or how undertrained are you and find that entry point and go from there. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And maybe and, talk and, with uh, the admin uh, staff, tell them not to mention the age next time. <laughs> yeah. um, and like I said before, like I really don't want to like scare somebody off the bat who already is sort of tentative about like, you know, well, I, I was really, I signed up because I, I just, I really want to use your, your, you know, recumbent elliptical. Um, and like I said, you, you talk to that person, and you're like, well, what are your goals? You know, like, well, like I, I want to get stronger. Um, you know, I just feel like I'm not moving around as, as well anymore. And like, okay, well, like how, how comfortable are you, you know, trying some new things? And usually they're like, yeah, like I'll try whatever you show me. Like I, I think they trust us as a company uh, to not do anything you know, irresponsible. Um, and then it's, like I said, it's just, it's, it's finding the, the lowest thing possible. So, um, we had, the nice thing is we have like a, a good amount of equipment. Um, it might become a little bit harder if, if you are like, um, a hardcore powerlifting gym and all you have is 45s and, you know, the biggest bumper plate you have is, is 25 or something. It's like, that's going to be a little bit challenging to get anybody, whether they're older or, or younger to, feel comfortable starting. So we're not in that position. So we have, you know, dowels with 15 pound training bars where like I can regress it as much as I need until they're feeling comfortable. Um, and, and they're like, Oh, I can do this. And then we go up from there. Um, so usually if we're going to do a deadlift, I'm going to set up, um, you know, like the 15 pound training bar with, with maybe like some 10 pound bumpers on there just to get it up off the floor a little bit. Um, one of the key things that I, that I find myself, doing is never telling them what it weighs until after we've done a whole bunch of them. Um, I think that's a really important part because if you say like, okay, this is 35 pounds, we're going to try to pick it up. Like the alarm bells are already ringing. They're like, that's no, I mean, I'm not going to do that. You know, classic um, coaching trick, classic. <laughs> I love working with the lifter. I'm like, by the way, that was a hundred pounds. What? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and their, their eyes get all big. Yeah. Um, like, I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing I'll do is um, I'll try to make it look even lighter than it is. So even if it is 35 pounds, you know, I'm not going to like try to heave it around. Like I'm going to put it in position, like I'll, I'll try to pick it up with two fingers, you know? And I'm like, Oh, like, look, I like this is, you know, like no problem, you know? And, and again, like that, I think that just puts people at ease and they're like, Oh yeah, he's starting to be real light. Um, you know, which 35 pounds is nothing, you know, for somebody that's never, that's never tried any sort of strength and conditioning before in their lives. Um, but it's definitely something that almost every single person can do. Um, if they have a little bit of like some compromised balance where that might be a challenge, I might start them off with, like on some blocks just so we're not bending over to that bar, like quite as far on the first try. But again, like as soon as, you know, as soon as they do it, I'm like, Hey, how do you feel about that? Like I'll, I'll put it down a little bit lower, you know? And, and in, in my five years of doing this, I've maybe had two or three people where we had to keep them on some blocks from past like that first day. So after that first one or two times, they're like, yeah, this is fine. Like, let's go, you know, and, and, and just like you said, so then we do a couple of reps, we do a couple of sets, we put some weight on, like, are you feeling comfortable with that? Like, um, you know, if I, uh, if I get some fives to put on each side, you know, especially with like the deadlift in particular, it's, it's, it doesn't feel that much harder, you know, to go from 35 to 45. And again, like, I think that that keeps those alarm bells quiet and they're like, oh, he's putting more weight on, but it didn't really get that much harder. So like the idea of putting weight on that isn't, isn't like this scary proposition anymore. Um, which I, again, I think is really important. Um, and you do a couple of sets of that and then exactly like you said, it's like, that was 80 pounds that we did today. You know, they're like, what? Like I, they, they literally like, I, I did not think that I would be able to do that. Um, and they did it with relative ease. You know, we don't want it to be easy, but, but it's not like they're, um, they're going like a 10 out of 10 on day one or something like that. So, um, same thing with squats, you know, like, uh, we have a, a really good assortment of boxes, you know, like, so we can start on, I, um, again, even like with my, 
younger trainees, like the very first squat they do is not going to be under a barbell, you know, so it's still going to be, I just still want to root out like, well, are you going to fall over if, if I ask you to squat, you know, so I'm not going to put them under a bar right away. So it's going to be, um, you know, let's do some box squats, you know, even if we're not using, even if we're not going all the way to the box, like if you're falling, you're falling two inches, you're going to sit, you're going to stand right back up. Okay. That looks great. Let's take the boxes away. That looks great. Does this feel pretty easy? Let's grab a kettlebell and do some goblet squats. Like that's easy. Let's get under a barbell. So, um, and, and I really try to make sure that I'm doing that for every single person. Uh, not just saying like, Oh, well you seem like you're, you know, whatever you've hit some, some imaginary milestone of 60 or 70 or 80. So now we're going to start regressing. Yeah. And so typically at my gym, when I have a new lifter come in, regardless of age, I throw, I run them through an assessment is what I call it. And we just go over the four compound movements, you know, press, bench press, squat, and deadlift. Is that something similar to what your approach is when you get someone in or are there other variations that you do? Um, are you doing mobility screenings or anything like that? Um, um, I, that's exactly, that's exactly how I'll treat it is um, I just kind of have like four to six slots in my head of like, I want you to do something that hits um, this type of movement. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be some kind of deadlift. Like I said, if they're just, if I grab that bar and their eyes get real big, like, okay, no problem. Like we'll start with a, with a 10 pound kettlebell off a box or whatever. Like if that's going to make you comfortable now, no problem. So we've got some kind of deadlift in there where we want some kind of squatting motion. Um, I definitely want something, um, in terms of like upper body pressing. Um, and I might start off with like an incline push up. Um, again, just because it's, um, and a lot of our people are also training on their own. Like I'm assessing them, I'm giving them a program, but I might not be there day after day, like, you know, available in the sense of like, I'm here for every single rep. Um, and again, I, to, in an attempt to not overload them and get them terrified and just like, there was just way too much stuff. I, I'm not coming back. Um, oftentimes I'll start with like an incline push up. We have a Smith machine, um, that, pretty much doesn't get used for anything except for incline pushups and, and as a balance beam. Um, but it's a really nice tool of just saying like, yeah. Oh, is that too hard? Let's put it up. Is that too easy? Let's put it down. Um, and then after a, a month or so, like after they've, you know, they've been doing their deadlifts, they've been doing their squats, they've been doing their bench press or their pushups. I might say like, how are you feeling? Comfortable? You like all that stuff? Okay. Let's add in this new exercise. Like this is a bench press. Like, uh, just again, so they've, they've kind of made that habit already and now let's progress them forward from there and adding a little bit more of a complicated setup, you know, cause that's a whole nother thing. Like you got to drag the bench over here. You got to put the bar up. I got to know where the, where the hooks go. Um, so that might just be something that I wait on for, for that first month to not do too many things. Um, and then I'm doing some kind of cardio with them, um, getting them um, comfortable with that. If they haven't done anything like that in the past. And then I'll usually do some kind of like isometric core, you know, like maybe some like paloff pressing or some, you know, if they are, um, you know, if they do seem like they're ready for it, doing some playing game or something like that. So um, again, just kind of round it out and give them a whole bunch of different stuff to do. So you're, uh, so it sounds like your approach is very similar to mine in which, you know, we either making an exercise, having them go through the true exercise or finding some sort of variation when you're working with clients uh, who are undertrained and happen to be older, but more so they're just more undertrained than anything else. What are typically, what are your go-to modifications and is there a spectrum of modification? Like, do you always start from the beginning and go forward or do you start from the end and then just keep adjusting? Like, how do you approach modifications? Yeah. And, uh, so especially for older adults, like I guess I just, cause I don't want to like get those alarm bell ring, like right off the bat, I will start as, as easy as, as possible, but setting those expectations of like, we're just going to try this. This might be extremely easy. And we're going to progress pretty quickly. Um, I don't want people to like latch on and be like, well, that's where you started me. So that's the right thing to do. Like, why are we changing that? It's like, no, this is, you know, this is, we're just going to see if you can do this and then we're going to go forward pretty quickly. Um, uh, the number one thing is weight. You know, like I'm going to decrease the weight. Uh, like I said, I, um, 35 pounds might be still heavy for some people, but, um, like I said, I, I, I try to get it out of my head that like the average like 70 or 80 year old can't bend over and pick up a barbell that weighs 35 pounds. So, um, like I said, in, in six or seven years, I've met one person that's like, maybe we need to go a little bit lighter than this. Um, so almost every single, so I'll start there, you know, and I'll just go up. So weight is definitely the number one thing, um, 
uh, the overhead press might be you know a little bit uh, require a little bit more tweaking there um, where like even the 15 pound training bar just might be too challenging for somebody that hasn't done that um, in a long time or ever so and that's where like dowels and, and like I said we have a we have a really good assortment of, of bars you know body bars and things that are three five ten seven pounds so I can just go up in, in very very small increments um, so yeah weight is definitely the number one um, modification that I'll make if necessary uh, range of motion would be number two so like I said if somebody's just completely uncomfortable um, getting all the way down to the floor for a deadlift or something like we'll we'll put them up on some blocks I'll say this is where we're starting um, but don't get used to it because like once you get good at it like we're going down a little bit lower to the floor um, and yeah and those, those are most of most of the uh, most of the modifications um, if somebody's just like extremely uncomfortable um, maybe some tempo you know like I said if, if somebody's just like all over the place on the squat Right. Well, let's slow it down a little bit. Let's let's do some tempo squats um, until they're they kind of find their groove, and then maybe we take that tempo away. So those are those are mainly the modifications um, that I'm doing. So I'm uh, definitely not like doing movement screening or saying like, oh, like by, by no means should you, you know, like you you have to do X before you can do Y. Like you have to be able to like you know put your back and arms up against the wall before I let you over a press or something, you know, like there's, there's definitely none of that stuff where it's like, um, you know, I, I just, I, at this point, I don't find that particularly useful. So the mentality is a very, a very, uh, what can you do? And let's do that versus let's search for something you can't do and use that as a reason why there's other things you can't do kind of exactly. thing. So. Yeah. And, and a little bit of an aspect of like, what do you want to do too? Because if there's, you know, like if I'm trying to hammer this stuff, I'm, and most of the time they're like, this is great. I didn't think I'd be able to do this. Like, I'm, I'm so happy, like I'm, I'm blown away or whatever. Um, but you know, every once in a while, it's just like, I don't like this. I just don't want to do that for whatever reason. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, let's find something else. Cause we do have a ton of other things. You, you know, you like, you know, suspension straps, like let's let something's better than nothing. So, um, I do want to like, before they leave, be like, well, how do you feel about this stuff? Like you like this, you know, and if they just absolutely don't, um, I'm not going to be like, I'm, that's it. You know, like it's that or nothing, get out. Like, um, you know, in, in the very small amount of people that are just like, no, I hate it. Um, yeah, let's, let's I, find something else. I found that to be super important, uh, regarding their buy-in. Like mm -hmm. if you're just getting pushback, like even if, even for younger clients, you know, I've had clients in their thirties who they want to do, they walk in, I want to do high intensity interval training. Well, before I start putting you through that, let's run through some basic barbells and then, but every day they, something different is hurting, something different is hurting, but then you run them through a CrossFit wad and all of a sudden they're happy and they don't feel a thing. And so it's like, okay, there's a lot to do with buy-in and how they perceive what they're feeling, I guess. So yeah, it's definitely important to listen to what they're saying. Yeah. So, um, and then another thing that I, like I said, I think that just sort of happened organically that I think is extremely important for what we do is, um, there's a little bit of like a snowball effect, right? So like when that, when that person walks in, um, you know, if they're walking into like Westside Barbell or something, like I said, they're just going to see all these monsters screaming. Nobody looks like them. Um, that's going to, and that's, that was me in college where it's like, oh my God, what is it? Like, I'm not, I'm, you know, heel turn, like I'm out. Um, but when you have the first couple of people buying into that and they're like, yeah, I like this. I'm going to do this. Those next people that walk in are going to see that and be like, that person looks just like me. Like they're not, you know, like a 26 year old guy and like, you know, like a muscle tee or whatever, you know, like screaming it's, you know, another person in their sixties or seventies or eighties who's doing um, what look like, you know, complicated compound lifts. Um, and they, they aren't, you know, they don't seem to be like in agony, you know, like they're doing great. They seem to be enjoying it. Um, and when there's three, four five, six of those people already in the gym doing it, when that person walks in for the first time, um, that buy-in is a lot easier um, because I don't have to like sell them on some theoretical. I'm like, like, well, look, there's, there's uh, Pam, like she's already doing it, you know, um, like, oh, those weights are really heavy. Like, yeah, she's been doing it for four years, five years, you know, like we're going to start, we're going to do the same thing. We're just going to, you know, and, and then we go through all of those things, like making them comfortable with, with where we're starting. Um, so there's, there's for sure like this, uh, this snowball effect where, um, 
where once you get a couple of people doing it, it gets a lot easier to get new people doing it as well. Yeah, it's that whole social proof thing. They see other mm -hmm. people that look like them, whatever, like, maybe I can do this. Yeah, that's definitely something super important. And I'm glad that you guys have been able to, I guess, generate that, you know, especially through your approach and your open mindedness to I'm not going to touch that because you're X age, but rather, where can we start? Let's start there. Let's progress. Now, given all of that, like, you know, that an older population doesn't necessarily need to be treated differently. Um, I'm sure they still inspire you in a way. <laughs> I yeah. mean, do you, do you, I mean, what is it? A, what is about the older population in general? Or do you have any specific examples of clients that just when you walk in, it's just one of those things where like that that's goals right there for me. Uh, yeah. So like our, our gym is just packed with those people. Um, I was just talking to one of our, uh, to one of my coworkers yesterday about it. And, um, and which the words that she used were that we have all of these unexpected elite around our gym, um, where like we have like actual elite athletes in their age group, like, you know, state nation worldwide. Um, that when they walked in, they had no intention of that. It's not like they were seeking out like powerlifting coaches or something. Like they were literally just like, which gym do I join to just be active? This one's close. Let me do this. And then because we didn't accept like, well, you can't do these things because of X age group. Um, they just kept progressing and goals change over time. Um, and they got just better and better and better. And then like they exceeded their own expectations um, and yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, uh, like you were saying earlier, like I always want to like assume they can't until proven otherwise, rather than doing it the other way around. Um, and so through that, like we've had, um, our first, uh, we, I started the rehab gym barbell club in 2018 when I started competing and a couple other people were like, Oh, that sounds really cool. Like I'll do that with you. And so we had a couple of like a group of, um, of people that were like actively looking to start competing. Um, and one of our older ladies who trains with us, Barb, uh, I think I approached her and again, I was like sort of going out of my way to not assume, well, there's no way that she, you know, she's 70, she was in the 75 to 79 age group. So she must've been, I think she was running the cost, but I think she was 75. Um, but I had to go out of my way and be like, fight that urge to assume there's no way she's doing this. Um, with us um, to go to this. Uh, the first meet we did was a Vermont powerlifting meet. So it was a local meet. Um, and so I brought it up to her and she was like a little tentative, but definitely not like, absolutely not. Um, and so she ended up competing with us uh, at that Vermont powerlifting meet. And then when the USPA ended up coming in um, and doing their first meet here, she came with us again because she had such a great time. Um, and she set all of the um, Vermont state records just by default, because again, they had never been here. So no 70 year old woman had ever competed before. Um, but so, so she's, she's 75, um, I believe at the time. Um, so she squatted 154, 154 pounds. Really? Um, really. Um, she benched 66 because <laughs> her shoulder was kind of bugging her during that, during that training portion. Um, and she deadlifted 237. Um, and so those were all Vermont state records. Um, the squat and the deadlift and the total were all USPA national records. Um, and the deadlift was technically a world record, but apparently you can't set that unless you're at um, national. national. Um, so, but again, like if I had just sort of like been like, well, I mean, she's not going to do that. Then that never would have happened. You know, like, I don't know that she would have gone out of her way because she had no idea that this world was even available to her, you know, but so I had to kind of go out of my way. Um, and so we've now, since then, um, our, our, another one of our members was like, that's amazing. I want to do that too. Um, and so Pam actually had her, um, uh, first meet, uh, scheduled in, it was July or something. And then that got canceled due to COVID unfortunately. Um, but she was all, all, uh, signed up at her singlet, everything. Um, and so she's going to be competing as soon as, you know, the world kind of calms back down or whatever. Um, is, she she, chase, is she chasing Barb's numbers or is that healthy um, competition? Yeah, I think we're all chasing Barb's numbers. Uh, <laughs> so she's not quite there, um, but she's squatted in the, in the low hundreds, um, 115 or 120, I think was her best squat. Um, her, her bench is similar. I think um, 75 or 80 was, was her best bench. 
Um, and then she has deadlifted about 200, I think 200 or 205 or something off the top of my head was her best, uh, was her best deadlift. Um, I have, so li are, I have lifters that are in their twenties right now yeah. that, that can't do those numbers. That, that, that's that's amazing. exactly right. Yeah. And so they're just like smashing the expectations of, of everybody around them, but also of themselves. And that's like the cool thing to watch where, like I said, I mean, like when, when Pam first walked in, she was, we have a, a saltwater pool. And I think off the top of my head, she was like, I think I'd be interested in using your saltwater pool um, for some aqua, you know, like exercise. And I, I think she might've started off there and, and we were just like, well, then why don't we try this? You know, like try some of this land stuff. And, and again, just that real slow onboarding process of like, let's move you towards things that, and she had never, I mean, uh, Barb who had set the, the national USBA records, like has been active her entire life, has done some kind of sport her entire life, but just hadn't touched the barbell until, um, and, until we kind of, you know, suggested that she try it. Um, Pam had never done anything. Like she had never been in a gym in any setting um, ever, you know, and so it was a little bit more of a slow, like let's, let's progress you more and more. And she just never stopped. Like she just never stopped progressing. And we were never like, that's enough. Like that's far enough. We're like, let's see how far you can take this. Um, and so she, like the two of them in particular have inspired um, dozens of, of other older ladies who were doing all the exact same stuff. Now um, I just, before COVID kind of, um, you know, shut everything down. Uh, we had an extremely popular uh, senior uh, exercise class that was twice a week. Um, and it was deadlifts. It was um, all sorts of different um, strength movements and, and kind of like circuits because we had 10 or 12 people at a time doing them. Um, but like the average attendant in there was deadlifting in the low hundreds. Um, you know, and, and again, like we, but, but they became so easy to get the next person okay with it because there's literally 12 other people who are doing it, look like they're having a great time, aren't exploding from, you know, like the effort or whatever. Um, and so it was just so easy to just keep onboarding new people over and over and over again. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's definitely the, the biggest thing is like, like I have certain expectations, they have certain expectations and then more often than not, all of those expectations just get like completely blown out of the water. Um, that's you know. incredible. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's absolutely incredible. And it, that's really cool to have that culture there to be able to bring people in and say, this is something possible and they see it happening and yeah, they're inspired to do more and try more and keep training. Do you, are, are you usually responsible for like programming for these individuals or do you have like a general kind of program that you run them through and then start individualizing from there? How do you approach programming? Yeah, for? that's pretty much exactly it. So um, again, it's all based on like their goals when they walk in, which then oftentimes will change because again, like we're just like those goals that they have, we usually meet pretty quickly. And that's like, well, now what do we do? So when the person comes in and they're like, I, I, I'm just looking for a gym, you know, like my gym closed or whatever it is. Um, you know, and they have sort of the expectations of what they have been doing. Um, definitely my first thing is just consistency. You know, I, I just don't want to scare them off and be like, you know, overload them with too much stuff. And then I don't see them again after the first two or three weeks. Um, so my first thing is definitely like, um, let's try to, let's see if we can underdo it for a couple of weeks. Um, although to be fair, I think underdoing it at our, at our facility just, because our expectations are a little bit higher um, is probably not underdoing it for like a big box gym or something. You know what I mean? So like for me underdoing, like if you're only deadlifting 55 or 65 or 75 pounds, you know, for the first couple of weeks, um, again, these are, we're talking for them like RPE five, RPE six, RPE seven, like they're pretty comfortable with this. Um, but we're, we're probably not pushing the person that's just never done it to like RPE eight or nine, you know, like in the first couple of weeks. So first thing I definitely want to do, I've had, adjust, I've had to adjust my language with bringing people into my gym because I'll tell them, yeah, the first couple of weeks are going to be kind of boring. And then I get told later on, like, that's not boring. It's really yeah. hard. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, I've had that experience with this remote stuff during COVID too, where I'm like, yeah, we're going to try to do our best of like, uh, let's still try to get a good workout in. We'll do our best to kind of make it like the gym. Yeah. And then after an hour, people were like, that was a lot, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, like you know, my, my quads are tired, you know, or whatever it is. So like I, yeah. I have to kind of do the same thing of like, just, just not fill in the gaps with my expectations ahead of time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like the first thing I definitely want to do is just get them consistently coming in a couple of times a week. Um, you know, even if that's only two or three times a week, 
Um, and then maybe even if two of those are just strength days and a third, you know, might be just like a cardio day or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and to, uh, just like the progressions of the exercises themselves, like let's, let's start low, see what you can do and then keep progressing frequency and intensity, like are, are going to be the same thing. You know, like I'd rather like, let's underdo it. Let's make sure that you're being really consistent. Like, okay, like three times a week, you can make that work for your schedule. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem to be like you're, um, you can't keep up with this. Like, okay, let's add a fourth day or whatever it is. So I'm definitely going to like underdo it at first and then progress as we go. How do you approach, um, um like potential injury or, or, um, pain that interferes with performance. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Um, you know, one of my lifters, uh, I think this was, I think this was going into week four. She came in and just said that the, the left quad was just killing her. It was aching. You know, she was on a paddle boat or something over the weekend. We had been doing a lot of sit to stands and banded squats and stuff for assistance. Um, but it was to the point where she couldn't even pick herself up off the ground if she got on the ground. And so we've, we've scaled back a lot of the volume and intensity for her. And a, lar a large part of that, not necessarily because I don't think she can do it, but rather I want to build her confidence back up into moving back towards that. Yeah. Um, what would your approach in that, a similar situation be? Like how, how far back do you pull the reins if they start coming in with aches or pains? Yeah. Um, and my thing is definitely the same. Um, so I, I want to build um, a lot of self-efficacy in that person, like as as quickly as possible, um, so that they don't get alarmed or terrified when completely normal things happen, where it's like, yeah, something's just like achy or whatever. So um, and I think that's a good thing too. Like if, if somebody just hasn't trained before, you know, and and they are in their sixth or seventh or eighth decade or something, and they've never been like truly sore before, like I don't want to like have them be like this is pain, this is injury. So that's, that's definitely part of it is like, is, is kind of onboarding people a little bit more slowly. I'm not worried about what your, you know, what your numbers are going to be, um, you know, in week four, week six or week eight, you know, like, like, let's see what we can do at year three, at year four, year five. Um, so like that little bit of a slower progression, um, is, is I think a, a helpful thing there. Um, and then when, yeah, when just like weird stuff happens, um, it's, how far back do we need to pull so that you can still do basically the same stuff, just either pain free or to a manageable amount of pain or something like that, you know? So yeah, if they're like, like, yeah, I just, I don't know what I did to my knee this weekend. It really hurts. Um, and we had been doing, um, I don't know, like, you know, some barbell squats to a high box or something like, okay, we're going to ditch the barbell. Let's see if we can just do air, you know, just do a body weight squats to the box. Let's see if we can use a kettlebell. Let's try a bunch of different things um, to see if we can find a manageable um, variation of that. And more often than not, like just moving around and doing those things after 20, 30 minutes, they're like either the knee or whatever it is, doesn't feel worse or oftentimes feels a lot better, you know, cause like we've, we've, uh, um, we've taken that fear away of like, you know, and then a lot of that is like building is, is combating those narratives too, of like it hurts. Therefore something is wrong or like it hurts. There's tissue damage or, you know, and, and that, that's all that like um, listening, you know, like who told you that, you know, like, the, like, all, <laughs> like why is it, why do you think that? Um, but then like showing them like, no, there is stuff that you can do. That's not going to make it worse um, or might actually make it better as we go. Um, and then, you know, progressing back up from there um, and also making sure that they know that it's not like we're starting over, you know, like you did this for a year and then your knee hurt. So now it's just start over time. Um, like it's, we're going to get it back pretty rapidly uh, more often than not. Um, so that they don't get discouraged of like all this work I put in for a year is suddenly gone. Um, and then absolutely worst case scenario, if it's just like, um, you know, th these things I'm talking about is like, if this has been going on for a week or two, you know, it's just like, they're probably going to regress the mean. They're probably going to feel better pretty quickly. And if they're like, yeah, this thing's really been bugging me for several weeks, maybe months, especially if it's getting worse as we're going, that's where I personally am in a good situation because I can fall back onto the physical therapy side of it where I can say, maybe it's time to transition you to some of our physical therapists. You can take a closer look at this. Um, but that's sort of that last resort. Uh, more often than not, like I said, people are like, um, are used to that. Like I, you know, I woke up and this thing was hurting. What's wrong? Like I have to shut it all down, you know? And, and the, the biggest thing is just uh, calming them down. Like everything's going to be fine. 
Um, let's see what you can do and build back up from there. How do you how do you approach? Because especially with an older population, there are ingrained thought patterns and and views and narratives, and sometimes they're really hard to overcome. You know, and sometimes it, it's one of those things where you're you're trying to play both sides of the coin. You know, you have a lifter who hurt themselves, right, or or feels pain. And here you are on the one hand telling them like, well, no, we need to keep you moving. We need to keep progressing and keep you moving. But at the other, on the other side of it, like you truly do believe that they are in pain. You truly do believe that it hurts when they move, but to them, it, it, it doesn't match up. You know, they're hearing two different things from you. Like, how does he believe me? But then he still wants me to try to do this mid thigh rack pool or whatever the case is. How do you approach that? What, what specific language or questions do you ask to get that trust and confidence from the lifter? Because I feel like that's more than anything, the biggest barrier to getting someone to rapidly get back, get back up to speed. Yeah, that's a tough one for sure. Um, the, the best thing that I've found is like, if that person already has trust in me beforehand, the whole thing just gets a lot easier. Um, so I definitely don't envy the task of like a physical therapist who are meeting people who are in that situation for the very first time. You know, like they're yeah, exactly like, no, I came in, I told you this hurt. Why are you telling me to lift weights? Like that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't envy their position and I don't have a good answer for <laughs> how they do that. Um, I could probably hook you up with them and they can tell you that. Um, in my situation, it is a lot nicer because I, I usually have a history with that person. And they already trust me. Um, you know, unless something like really fluky happens in our week two, they're like, everything hurts or whatever. Um, but more often than not, like they, I've seen them for weeks, months, years, um, and then when I say, um, like, and, and they tell me that, like, it hurts. And when I say, like, I hear that and, and I know it does, but let's see what we still can do. Um, they're usually okay with that. And I'm like, I, like, I promise we're, we're not gonna make anything worse. If it's, if it hurts or gets worse, like we're gonna back it off completely. We can always stop. Um, but there's a little bit of like a show don't tell, um, thing that I think really helps. Um, well, like I said, I mean, if they're used to bending fully over and doing um, a deadlift all the way off the floor, and then suddenly I've got them on multiple blocks and the range of motion is um, eight inches or whatever, and the, they're used to lifting 135 and now the bar weighs 15, um, like that's for the most part, they're not super threatened by that. They're like, yeah, that feels like, of course that feels fine. We're talking about that's like nothing. Like, exactly. Now let's take one of these blocks away. Let's go a little bit further. Let's add a little bit more weight and, and see how far can we go. Um, and, and like you and I have both personally experienced by the you know sixth, seventh set of that, you're like, well, actually now, like now the pain's actually a little bit better, you know? So I think it, you can talk at the person all you want and say like, this is what's gonna happen, but until they experience it for that first time, um, I know, like I've been through that position too. Like, and, and I had people tell me, like, no, you just have to, you know, you have to move. And just because your back hurts doesn't mean there's damage. Um, and I didn't believe them, you know, until I went through it. Um, the nice thing is, after you go through it once, you can refer back to that uh, that experience for them. You know, it's like, yeah, I remember how like you woke up that weird like tweaked back that one day, and we had you just back off to some you know, some, some broomstick RDLs instead of your, you know, 155 pound deadlifts. And after, you know, 10 minutes of that, like you were moving around way better and we were able to deadlift, uh, 95 pounds. Uh, like we're going to do that again. And, and you go through that once or twice and, and that self-efficacy starts to build up. Um, and, and then I've had multiple accounts where people come in and they're like, yeah, my, my ex, my whatever hurt, uh, this weekend and I just moved it a little bit and like it felt better. I'm like, I didn't have to do anything. That's awesome. Like, you know, train as you usually would. Um, so again, there's just, yeah. a, but I think that trust for me is, is the biggest thing, you know, because if they don't trust me and I tell them that stuff, like they're just going to, they're going to clam right up and they're, they're, everything's going to get worse from there. So. Right. Yeah. That's that trust is definitely, definitely the, I think the primary driver. And as, as a coach, sometimes you have to, self-reflect and if you're having trouble have you taken the appropriate steps beforehand to build that trust and if not kind of got to own that and, yeah. and move forward yeah um and then additionally 
like you mentioned, once you go through it once, the pain management, you know, through anecdotal experience, um, I truly do believe that it is a skill. And the more you're exposed to it, the more you try it, you use it, you become better at it. And it just starts becoming second nature, just like a squat, just like a deadlift. You don't even think about it sometimes. And it just comes in. Yeah. And, and I have to kind of bite my tongue sometimes because when that happens, I want to just vomit like pain science information all over them and be like, here's where it's at. And then I have to sort of drop it like, that's not helpful for them right now. Like maybe there's a time for that later where we could just like analyze this to death and be like all this thing, all these things that I think are really cool and all our therapists think are really cool. Um, that's not helpful right now. Um, you know, so like not over explaining things. And, and like I said, that's where to me, a little bit of like a show don't tell um, approach right. works really well. Or it's like, see, that, that felt better, didn't it? Um, you know, and then they go home and they're like, it felt a little worse, you know, after I sat on the couch for three hours and watched TV, you know, oh, so, so, <laughs> yeah. so moving, moving makes it feel better than not moving it. Like that's good, you know, and then they sort of start to have that positive feedback loop and then hopefully aren't scared of movement and aren't scared of exercise and don't think that it's making them worse. I was fortunate enough to actually experience that with the lifter this morning. She came in, um, this is only her, this was her th- one, two, three, this was her fifth visit. And she walks in this morning and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, my legs are still sore. My upper body was still sore. Is that always going to happen? So of course not. No, that's, you know, you did two workouts last week. You did your third full workout on Monday. I think her Friday workout, we only got on a bike for 20 minutes because she was too sore. I said, but you know, you're so undertrained at this point. Your body is, it's just responding the way it's responding. I was like, but we can back off the volume and we'll get you going. And I told her, and if we don't, if, if the legs are too sore to do anything today, that's fine. We'll just get on the bike. By the end of the workout, she's telling me, I'm feeling a lot better. My back isn't as sore anymore. My legs aren't sore anymore. Like, yeah, moving moving helps a lot. Okay, let's do your whole workout. And we get through the whole thing. And it was very um, gratifying to see her grow like that, to see it in real time, someone growing and, and embracing movement, even through, you know, quote unquote, soreness or pain or injury or whatever. Um it's just those little building blocks of, of, of building that self-efficacy. Yeah. Awesome to see. Love it. It's one of the favorite part of the jobs, <laughs> like yeah. favorite parts of the job. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for, like I said, I'm in a really good position where if it then crosses that threshold um, for me, where I'm then thinking maybe this is no longer just those regular aches and pains that come and go. And I just need to like guide them through it. Um, I do have that really good, like um, safety net of saying like, okay, well maybe this is more serious. Maybe it really is an injury. Um, that needs to be addressed. I have the physical, I can literally just like shout across the room and be like, Hey, Ken, like, Hey, Jackie, like, um, you know, you know, let, let's do a, a little more like a physical therapy intervention. Um, so I think for like anybody listening, that's like a strength coach, like having a good, if you're not in a place like that, having a, somebody you trust that you can refer to, um, sort of as a, as a last means, um, where you're like everything that I'm saying, this person just isn't getting across. You know, they seem to be getting like, you know, they're catastrophizing it more and more and more. I can't really do anything. Um, it can be really frustrating. So having that person that you trust, that's, you know, that has the background of, of helping people like that, I think is a really good thing to refer to. So I would, I would suggest, you know, that's actually, that's up, really, yeah, that's really with, good advice. Meeting up with, um, with a like-minded physical therapist or, or some other healthcare practitioner that can, that can kind of have your back in that situation that you can refer to and, and that's a good like cross referral thing because they know like okay like um once i work with a patient i'm not going to send them to a trainer that then catastrophizes every little thing you know and and, and also so it has a, a really good two-way two-way street of, of working together yeah that's really good advice so uh new strength and conditioning coaches to try to take the time to build that professional network i guess mm-hmm. of like-minded pts or even OTs, someone that keeps in keeps in that lens that we were talking about earlier of these aren't special populations, but more so these just levels of training yep. and, you know, understanding the nuances between injury and emotion and everything else. Yep. Is there any other kind of general advice that you would have for a strength and conditioning coach that you think would be helpful? Anyone just getting started or listening in? Um. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, um, I mean, I, th- I think you do want to watch out for like that Dunning-Kruger 
you know, thing, like, which, which I found myself on too. Like you do get in and you, you know, a little bit and you're like, I know everything. Like I'm the greatest of all time or whatever. So I, I the a huge thing is like, uh, I would continually try to learn more, um, and never be satisfied with like knowing everything. So all of these things that like I've said today, like I said, they kind of grew organically over like a longer period of time. Um, but I didn't walk into, you know, into the rehab gym on day one with that information. Um, so I definitely like keep, keep learning, keep challenging your own biases. Um, when I first got out of college, like I, I had taken, um, classes about, you know, seniors and exercise and like, you have to be careful and here's all the special tests you need to do. And, um, you know, special exercise tests and whatnot. And I had to unlearn a lot of things that, um, that just weren't particularly helpful. Um, so it's definitely something that I think needs to grow over time, but you got to keep looking for it. Like you got to keep, keep learning and keep, uh, exposing yourself to different things. I think it's really easy to like get to back yourself into a niche or a corner. You know, you're like, I, yeah, I really love it when like, you know, some like younger guy comes in or some younger woman who are like really like sensitive to training and they're making these crazy results, you know, and then you just, train a hundred of those people and then somebody walks in that's the person that we're talking about that's older that's undertrained um that's a little bit more intimidated and you just don't have the the tools to be able to help that person as well and i think you're really missing out if you're not getting that as well um and when our, our facility like the um the motivation or like the uh the inspiring stories go the other way. You know, it's not like the older people going in and like, wow, look at that person like deadlift 500. It's the other way around. It's the younger people that are like, Oh my God, like Barb just lifted two plates. Like, you know, like I need to, I need to like pick my, you know, training up, you know, like even if they're outlifting them, they're like, um, so I think they're great to have around, you know? So, uh, and then one other thing I wanted to mention too, that I was kind of surprised at, but I think a, another bias that people have is like, that older people like aren't competitive either. And that's also not true. Um, so one of the nice things that we have is like, we have a, we have a, a big chalkboard uh, on the wall that at some point, like, um, again, it started out of, for myself and, and some of my other lifters that were competing. I'm like, Oh, let's, you know, let's track our progress or whatever. Um, and let's put our best deadlift and our best squat up on the chalkboard and we can. And so then we started doing that for everybody. Um, and so we just made like the cutoff a hundred pounds. So as soon as you get to a hundred pounds, you get your name up on the board and then there's tiers, right? Um, just like I, it's in lots of gyms. Um, but what we didn't really expect was that then all of these like older people would be like, Oh, my name up on that board, you know, you know, and they're like at 85 pounds or whatever. And they're like, how do I get up on that board? Like, all right, we're going to keep training. And they want that. And they're excited when they get up to hundred or when they cross that 200 pound threshold or whatever it is. Um, and they want to outlift each other, you know? So like they, that sort of friendly competition um, that I think, you and I have like, you know, like, like I said, like I, I was pumped that I beat the two guys that I competed at in my powerlifting meet. I'm like, yeah. like that's not nothing, but like, like we're extremely competitive. I want to kill those guys. On a platform. <laughs> but I think yeah. like you think of like your grandma or something like, well, she doesn't feel that way. Um, and I think that's just like a bad assumption to have, you know? So there was definitely a, um, we found that there's a, a really healthy level of competition uh, between people. And once we put that board up, they were like, you know, uh, we had a, couple, a couple of people who are like really jockeying and they're like, I got to outlift, you know, that person or whatever. I got to admit, like you saying that made me kind of re-examine in my own head. Like, I think, yeah, like that's something that was there that I had not considered that I don't necessarily look at older populations as being those competitors, you know, um, or wanting to, yeah, beat barb or beat pam or whatever the case is um, or themselves from last week yeah and i need to i need to take that out i need to i need to look at that and re-examine that myself and make sure that i have systems in place like your chalkboard that that help encourage that and that help you know that use that as a tool that's mm -hmm. amazing that's actually a great piece of advice and a great piece of insight i probably would have taken me 10 years to figure that out <laughs> yeah i mean it, it took me five so like, it's not like i did overnight and then, you know and, and, and that chalkboard like i didn't want to like put people's ages next to it if they were comfortable but i'll just use uh, different colored chalks for like you know like people that are over 50 over 60 over 70 so when somebody walks in and i say like oh like look at this chalkboard that we have like people's accomplishments it's not just all white chalk and, and they have no idea who it is that chalkboard is 30 percent 
you know, like uh, the color, like I think I use white for just everybody that's like under 50. And that chalkboard is only like 30% white chalk. Probably 66% of it is, and again, part of it is we have just a, an older demographic in Vermont, but 66% um, of it is like different color chalks that are like, these people are over 50, these people are over 70. Um, and so people look at that and it's a, it's a pretty visual representation of like, you know, this isn't just for young people or X age is some cutoff where I can't do this anymore. Like it, it definitely is a nice visual representation of this is for everybody. Um, and you and I know the benefits of, of strength training um, just in general and, and not, you know, succumbing to sarcopenia and muscle loss and all those things. Um, and that was, I guess, one other thing that I wanted to touch on too that, that I didn't want to forget was um, like those narratives that people come in with where they're thinking like, where people are misinformed about what strength training does. Because I do think that some people, when you, when you sit down and, and you start to talk to them, um, they sort of think that like strength training is purely aesthetic or this is bodybuilding or this is just, I don't need to do that. Like, I just, I want to be able to pick up my grandkid. And it's like combating those narratives too and being like, yeah, like there, there is an aspect of that. Like, and there's a side of, of weightlifting and strength training that is that, but what we're going to do, if you're not interested and if you are interested in that, that's awesome. Like, let's do that. But if you're not, um, here's what strength training is, is going to do for you, you know, and you know, having it sometimes having the data to back that up too. Um, one of our PTs wrote a really good review on the lift more trial. Um, I think it was out of Australia. Um, you know, so it was like big groups of people like, here's the benefits they, they lifted, um, you know, for X amount of weeks, like here's all the great benefits that, that you are telling me you want, you know, you know, increased strength, increased function, uh, look how few injuries there were, you know, like out of like 170 people, there was like one injury or something like that. Making that number up, I don't remember exactly, but it was a shockingly low amount of injury. So, um, so it's 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 good for people to know why are we doing this, and we're doing this because this is what you're telling me your goals are. Not you're walking in, you're assuming that walking, um, you know, and stretching is going to get you to pick your grandkid up. Um, but I'm personally like trying to sneak in a bunch of bodybuilding. Like that's not what this is, you know, like. Um, but you, you do that for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and they start to feel it, you know, yeah. almost right away. They're like, yeah, I was able to do this thing that I couldn't do before. So, but, but I think that's another thing that's good for, um, just to watch out for, you know, like, are you communicating what you're trying to get them to do? Um, you know, efficiently, is it coming across or do they think you're just trying to get them jacked for, you know, for, I don't know swimsuit season and they're like i don't care about that like i want to get strong or whatever you know yeah it's it's that's the what we're doing. That's what this is. it's the true functional fitness um strength training is a true functional fitness is yeah. is my opinion on that um makes it really easy to get off the toilet <laughs> exactly. which is what, yeah, which is what i've told i've told some of my lifters the ones that are 60 plus they're having trouble with sit to stands and you know we, we're using rings or a bar to help get them up and said you know what do this long enough it'll start getting really easy getting off the toilet and they'd laugh and they chuckle and then a couple of weeks later they're like you know it's starting to get a little bit easier to get off the toilet I'm like yeah yeah absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or all the way off the floor or something so yeah sure. um hendrick it was great having you on and thank you very much for your time and insight um i did i did learn a lot like it especially um at the end there when you know you you kind of blew my mind a little bit with, with the whole older people are competitive thing. Like, I think that's something I'm definitely going to take away from this. Um, what's your, if you're still listening in, uh, we're going to have it in the show notes and everywhere else, but what's your Instagram handle? Where can people find out more about you? Where can they see you? Yeah. Um, so if you want to, like, I have videos of, uh, and that was the other thing is like these, these people are like super excited. So like, I'll take videos of them and I'll be like, can I post these on our Instagram? They're like, absolutely. Like they want people to see it too. Um, so all of these people that I've talked about are on our Instagram um, for the rehab gym. And that's just at rehab gym underscore Barry. Um, Barry is B-A-R-R-E. Um, yeah. So we're, we're in Barry, Vermont. We're about 10 minutes from Montpelier, the capital. So okay. yeah, so at rehab gym underscore Barry. Um, and you can see all that there. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, Facebook is rehab gym at Barry City Place. Um, and then my personal Instagram is foundational underscore underscore strength. So foundational strength. Okay. Um, if you want to look at me lifting for whatever reason, I don't know why you want to do that, but there's also pictures of my dog. 
Well, one, Ben is awesome. <laughs> Favorite part of the day, anytime I see him sleeping by your feet whenever you're deadlifting. <laughs> I personally follow you just so I control you and do one pound more than anything that you do. And um, just to just to just to push you, give you that little push to get a little bit stronger every time. So yeah, no, I, I didn't sleep great that night. <laughs> <laughs> my eye was just twitching. Yeah. Well, don't worry. So, my, my shoulder was twitching because I kind of overdid it that day. So well, I guess you no, had the no, last no. laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you for your insight. And for anyone that wants to follow along, check the show notes, find the Instagram, find the Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at watchdog strength, or you can contact me at, at watchdog strength on Instagram. Always love to answer questions or see if you have something interesting that you'd like to add to the discussion. Thanks a lot, Hendrick. Good to see you. Bye. Bye.